This is IGN. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is IGN. Back in 1993, an unassuming game about the American Revolution called We the People launched a revolution in historical board games. By adding a deck of cards that mimicked historical events and putting political control on par with military occupation, it merged politics and warfare into one neat package. Its more recent predecessors have eschewed the war board game aspect to focus on the politics, and the latest in this line is Votes for Women, in which you'll refight the struggle for women's suffrage in America with cards and dice. Votes for Women packs a lot into its slim bookcase box. There's a sturdy board featuring a map of America with the states picked out using two-letter codes, which may confuse non-U.S. players. There are also several thick decks of cards, one for the suffrage player, one for the opposition, and one for solo play, along with some smaller decks. All are illustrated with photos and political cartoons from the era, which do a great job of setting the tone. There's also a half-tree's worth of wood in the form of dozens of little wooden cubes in purple, yellow, and red, along with some male and female campaigner figurines in matching colors. Unusually, Votes for Women gives you plenty of spares in this regard, including offering a choice of figure poses so you can use which ones you like best. There are also wooden check marks and crosses to indicate states which have passed or rejected the suffrage amendment, a lovely touch which looks awesome on the board. A few wooden cylinders variously shaped dice, and cardboard chits round out the play components. As is common for historically-oriented games, there's a booklet of designer's notes alongside the rules, explaining how the designer, Tori Brown, feels the mechanics of her game tie into the history. What's far less common but potentially far more interesting is a sheaf of facsimile historical documents, from a replica of a New York Times front page to a sample ballot from Chicago. If you're interested in the history of this era, they're a delight. As card-driven games go, Votes for Women is pretty straightforward. You get a hand of event cards and can bid Buttons, an abstract resource approximating campaign funding and momentum, to get a bonus strategy card from a face-up selection. Then the suffrage player and the opposition take turns playing cards from their hands. After six of these, the round is over, and after six rounds, the game ends in a sudden death victory, where players roll off to see which side wins any undecided states. Most cards will be played for their events, and most events allow you to add or remove cubes from states on the map. If you don't want to play a card for its event, then you can use it to campaign, which involves rolling a die for each campaigner on the map and allocating that many cubes to their surrounding area, or you can move them to a new one by paying a button. You can also play cards to get more buttons or to influence Congress to allow Americans a vote on suffrage. If Congress hasn't done this by the time the game ends, the opposition player automatically wins. Once Congress has passed that amendment, then getting four of your cubes in a state wins it for you with a cross or a tick. The opposition player has fewer campaigners and cubes, but only needs 13 states to reject suffrage in order to win. The suffrage player, meanwhile, is hampered by having to use two cube colors, reflecting the reality of racist factionalism within the movement. Prior to that, 
getting four cubes in certain critical states can win you an extra card associated with that state, which you can play to advance your campaign. If you assess votes for women purely from a mechanical standpoint, it uses a shocking amount of dice for a modern board game. Many event cards give you random amounts of cubes, as does campaigning. Committing cards to influence Congress, which is often what swings it over the line, requires rolling a six. The roll-off is particularly problematic. You get to add the number of cubes you have in the state, but it's still very prone to huge swings of fate and can often determine the winner on a single die roll. You might imagine that it would make the game feel like a glorified crapshoot, yet it rarely does. And while we happily play military simulations that slaughter thousands with a single card play, Votes for Women has such an astonishingly personal feel about it that it features excellent solo and cooperative versions for those who don't want to play the opposition to suffrage. And it's true, an opposition win feels thoroughly icky, whether you're on the giving or receiving end. The root cause of this is that the game models systemic oppression rather than individual violence, and that the lingering effects of that systemic oppression are still being felt today. For those who want to marshal their resources against that oppression, the game has plenty of tools to aid you. While there aren't as many effects that link together as there perhaps might be, there are enough that experience with the deck will improve your game. Learning when to shepherd your buttons and when to spend them is critical, especially in the thrill of bidding for those powerful strategy cards. Knowing when to push the track for Congress over the tipping point proves a surprising double-edged sword for both sides and demands good judgment, as does when and where to campaign. It's a shame that card-driven games tend toward the long and complex because they're a brilliant way of exploring history in a game. And now... Votes for Women is at the forefront of a new wave demonstrating that they can be very approachable and still be a brilliant way of exploring history. There are times when it feels frustratingly random, but that's balanced by its relative simplicity and the sheer sense of excitement it generates through both dice and cards alongside its engrossing and still relevant theme. Here's hoping it heralds the genre for discovery by a new generation of gamers. Spoken Layer. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.